And it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 50, that's five zero, half a hundred. Hmm, wild can do math. Recorded Thursday, August 4th, 2011. The letter L is for, hmm. We got some Q&A today. We got user conference coming up. Let's hop on this motorcycle chopper of Splunk Talk and rev on up. I gotta have more cowbell. Splunk Talk, fighting answers without a doubt. Splunk Talk, we'll help you figure it out. Splunk Talk, in fact, tell the whole world about Splunk Talk. Splunk Talk. Hey, it's uh, another episode of Splunk Talk. What episode number is this, Maverick? It's 50. 50. And the title that I just said was the letter L is for. What is that? Is that the L word, like the show on Showtime? I wish. It, you ever it watch was. that show? I, I have. I wish it was, was it, that, but was we're not L that word good. Or was it Lipstick Jungle? I don't know. Well, either one. They both begin with L. Yeah, everyone's listening to me going, yeah, I knew you were a weird wild. So Yeah, So and then I got some other things that begin yeah. with L, but we'll, we'll talk about that later, maybe at the end here. If you, so the voice on the other end there, that's Maverick Garner. He's a principal sales engineer for Splunk out of Plano, Texas. That's right. It just, and just you can just call me Maverick. You don't have to say Maverick Garner. You can say Maverick. It's kind of cool that your last name is Garner, though. You yeah, know? but and but not I like just, Spikowski or something. You know, I don't know about that. That sounds pretty good. Actually, I knew I knew a dude in, in grade school named Spy, Justin Spychalski. He's probably Spichalski. not listening. But if you are, what up? <laughs> what up? And then who is on the other side? That's uh, my counterpart. Uh, the, the, the Splunk Ninja, they're based out of uh, Austin, Texas. Michael Wild. Michael Wild. You know, um, this is one of those weeks, though, where it's actually hotter somewhere else than Austin. It's pretty hot in Dallas, isn't it? It, it, it totally is. And my air conditioning went out this morning driving to work. <gasps> Fail. In my car. <laughs> totally failed. The, what, did, did it just like. You, you were on the way, and then yeah, it, it yeah. just stopped, and you noticed it just, something it's, peculiar. It just started. It just started not getting cold anymore, <laughs> and you noticed that when you have 110 outside. Was the car on? And, yeah, I was driving to work, and so it was like my car was like it's just the air It's I started sweating in my car. I'm like, what's the deal? I rolled down the window. It was colder outside than in my car. <laughs> that's it's ridiculous. That's crazy. So yeah, it's crazy. So now I got to figure out. Of course, I can't like go. I can't be like, oh well, I'll fix it later. I mean, like, you have to fix it like this afternoon. You know, it's like crazy. So I'm gonna have to figure out what to do. But um, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll go take uh, it. Yeah, you know, my brother Dan Wild. He. Uh, Your brother. If, if you have, um, it's funny. If you have children, listener, and you've ever heard of a show, not my iPhone. But if you've ever heard of a show called The Upside Down Show, okay, go ahead, Google The Upside Down Show. The two characters do not look that different from me and my brother, okay? <laughs> that's, Although, scary. that's scary. The two guys actually are the umbilical brothers. Oh. They are a, quite a funny duo from uh, Down Under, but they have this kid's show. And my brother Dan has got very curly hair, and he's a, hu- a hilarious person. And he works for a company called Manpower, and uh, I should have had him on the show because he's hilarious. But and then I'm kind of bald, so if you Google that, you'll be like, "That's what Dan and what Michael look like." Although I think I'm a little <laughs> cuter than the bald guy. Anyways, all right, enough about us. Enough about heat and kids programming. All right, we got some questions today. All right, you know I'm so excited. I'm excited for a couple of reasons. This is episode 50. This is like the. That's, that's a big deal, 50 episodes. I mean, a lot of TV shows don't even go 50 episodes. 
Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's like a half, like a half a century if it were years, right? Half Correct, a or half a hundred, or it'd be fifty cent. Maybe yeah, that should have been the title. Fitty. Yeah, it should. Maybe we could change it to fitty. Yeah, fitty, right? Fitty. It's a fitting. Yeah. It's, it's a, a fitting fitty. title. So a fitty episode. <laughs> but we might as well uh, do what we usually do. Although I'm sure we're gonna have a fun episode coming up. Um, I don't, know if we'll do, I don't know if we'll do one next week. We'll have to see. But we've got uh, Splunk User Conference coming up, and that's going to be fun. That'll be ad hoc and crazy. Totally. But to stick to our typical format, a question for you, Maverick. No, question for no, me. No, I'm going to go. Yeah, I want to ask you first. <laughs> Wild's not reading the script. <laughs> right. What, what script? What are you talking about? We just do this off the cuff. Um, all right, so but, here's yeah. the question. <laughs> right. There's no yeah, way like, we can remember like all these questions. Like we always do. Like we always do. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. right. So this, uh, this customer is asking, um, so I'm trying to measure the change in CPU usage, like com- CPU usage, over time on a minute-by-minute basis. I've read the docs, and I found the Delta command. Ooh, Delta. We like it when people We've talked about that. commands. Yes, exactly. It works now, but it appears to be one minute behind. What's what's with that? What's what's the deal with that? Okay, so here's the deal. All right. Um, Delta, as you would probably expect, is an airline. It's also a shape of a wing. (laughs) But it's also a search command. And the Delta search command's job is to take and give you the delta or difference um, or change in two particular values, the, this event and the next event. So what you can say, for example, let's say I was looking up Windows CPU data, like perfmon data, to source type equals star perfmon star, and then I pipe it to delta and I select a field, in this case value, which is the value of the CPU. Mm-hmm. And you hit enter, this person hits enter, and they see the list of events at the top, there's a little number on the left-hand side that says event number one, which is the most recent event. Event number two, three, four, five, and six. Now, you'll see a brand new field attached to that. You might actually have to show the field because it's going to be called delta in parens value. So it creates a brand new field that gives you the difference between this event and the previous one. Now, listen to what I just said. This event and the previous one. Right. Which means the very first event has no previous event. Well, wait a minute. Isn't the previous event the one that happened right before it? Yeah, technically. But the way that the Delta search command works is it takes a pile of search results and starts at the very beginning of those search results and then compares deltas with result one against result two like we want it to. But it actually takes that value and applies it to del- value number two or right. search result number two. So wait, you're always one behind then. You're kind of one behind. Well, you're one behind as far as if you wanted to get the most recent value, maybe put it on a, a single value dashboard widget, for example. Right, or maybe right. a, a speedometer. We have these gauge widgets um, now. There's a one that looks like a speedometer, and maybe you have the, the change in there. Right. So how do you actually get it to line up properly? So there's another search command called reverse. So if you take the perfmon data... Pipe it to reverse. You probably don't need to do this for a billion events, but if you're looking for the change in something, maybe you're going to do it over 15 minutes or an hour. You pipe it to reverse, and all it will do is it will reverse the order of the surge events. Okay, So whereas you saw one number one, what was number one, the most recent at the top, 
Now you're going to see the oldest event at the top. Yeah, yeah, but wait, wait but then you're going to get it in the reverse order. Now you're going to get the most recent one. You're going to get the first one then if it's reversed. Correct, but we're not done yet. Oh. Right. Now I'm going to pipe it to delta and the thought- field value. Okay. And now the way the delta where a processor works, the delta search commands work, it's going to take this big list of search results and it's going to compare this again, this event versus the one, the next one, which in our case, it's going to be the same calculations, but the field delta of value, which was previously on event number two, is going to now going to show up, well, uh, on the second event, it's now going to show up on the first event. In this case, it's reversed, so it'll cascade perfectly, but wait a second. I now need to get it back to the way it was. Right. That's what I was going to say. You got to get back to the... So just pipe it back to reverse, which will then re-reverse the order on how to do that, right? So Oh, a whole second time. Yeah. Like reverse again. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like reverse that is it, cool. operate on it, reverse it, and then you'll see that very first event, which is the most recent event, have a field called delta value, or you might actually can rename the field, but it'll have that field which will show you the difference between this event and the one below it which technically is the previous event. So that's that's brilliant. That's one of these things cool. that sort of has to be seen. Hopefully it wasn't too convoluted to explain. And I, I had a new SE ask me this and I went, huh, good point. Let's see if we can figure it out. And then I also talked Joe, Joe, was Joey. There? No, it wasn't Jesse Miller. It was David Lutz. Oh, OK. Uh, who's a new guy out of Austin. And he he was doing the right thing. And it was right. working the way it was supposed to work. As a matter of fact, that's the correct search command to use. There isn't another one that would be able to give us what we wanted. But reverse was a nice technique to, to get it what, what we want. So there you go. Um, speaking of David, speaking e- of David, uh, oh, go ahead. Excellent answer. I'm no, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. If you say so yourself. <laughs> no, no. I was going to say that David, uh, he's friends with uh, Jeff Blake and uh, he said he liked listening to Splunk Talk because, especially the episode where um, you mentioned how you had to keep editing out uh, Jeff Blake's uh, sniffles and coughs and wheezes and stuff like that. He has got a lot of sinus issues. Yeah. But we speaking of sinus issues, we might be able to get Jeff Blake and his irreverent laugh and wit and uh, knowledge on Splunk Talk um, at user conference. I think he's going to be there, so we'll see. That's cool. Yeah, we'd that'd be good. It would be good to have him on the show. Get him back on because we've got time. Yeah, to get the old crew back on. So here's a question for you, Maverick. Before I continue yawning. Okay. All right. I have two old Splunk indexing servers that I want to migrate over to a faster, more powerful server. Okay, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I've tried moving the default DBs from each server into one single indexer, but I read I read something about overlapping bucket IDs, and this is a bad thing. Am I using the right approach? Yeah, the old migrating over to the same indexer, in the same directory. But thing. I got overlapping bucket IDs issue. Yeah, IDs, yeah, right? yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the so the real cool thing about Splunk. I mean, this is actually not a very difficult answer, but it, but maybe talking about how you the approach might be something we want to talk about here. Um, it's it's not it's not hard to copy default DBs over, and if you're migrating a single indexer to, from like one OS to another OS, or you're upgrading like from a four way to an eight way or something like that, physical machine. Uh, or or virtual or whatever, and you just want to move it over. Yeah, you can just copy over the existing indexes over to the same directory, the same where the default DB stuff is located, that path under where you installed Splunk, and it works just fine. But when you have more than one, um, there's chances are you're going to have um, 
uh, there'll be unique IDs probably within those those bucket file file names, but in folders and stuff. But uh, but you may have overlapping times, and that's kind of what we're talking about. You get bucket incoherence in that case. And Splunk, uh, it just kind of doesn't know how to handle the the anomalous nature of having unique buckets, but kind of you know haven't been optimized because the optimizer threads are what are working to do this right whenever you're on a single indexer so when you move them over afterwards you're going to get the overlap and it just it just doesn't it's not a good well, picture I don't know how to search because the buckets are named their buckets are might have the same times yeah they'll have the same times and in, in splunk right. expects them to be separated out but the optimizers should have worked well the optimizers aren't going to know about that because you manually kind of inner inner kind of putting together that's right that's right so then there's just how there's no way splunk would know and the optimizers would know to to correct that so um so what you want to do instead is you want to think about um you know possibly uh putting uh having a second indexer on the same machine maybe is a good thing that i suggest sometimes whenever you have to migrate and do this um so you can uh, run two copies of splunk on the same machine yeah, I think uh, that that's uh, not a bad approach. Um, it's it's the it's an easy way to get it going. Uh, you just set them up to listen on different ports. Oh, cool! So you can be eight thousand and nine thousand maybe, and then uh, set up a distributed search between the two. You'll just have the first indexer index, uh, search across the second indexer because theoretically you're not going to be actively indexing on that second one, right? So it's very viable that it won't really take up a lot of resources, and it's and it's totally a, a solution that's totally doable. Um, and then the other thing also that uh, you could do is possibly, you know, export the things uh, from the index out to raw text and just re-index it on, on yeah, that's not a bad idea, just re-indexing some, you know, if you had 80 terabytes of data, that might not be the most feasible thing. And Maverick's idea of keeping doing distributed search might be the way to go. Um, I have a thought. Mm-hmm. I got to try this. So what I wonder... And this is just my thinking. What if you took and uh, you know, let's say you go, go to your brand new server, you took all the stuff from server A, you dumped it in there, and now you've got server A's sort of data in it. Mm-hmm. What if you created a new index inside of that brand new Splunk server? Let's say you call it server B data. Yeah. And you take the default DB, everything that's inside of the default DB directory, and you copy it over into the directory into the directory where that new index actually is. I wonder if that would work. Um, not, not a bad idea. I've never done it. I'm going to try that. I mean, it's, it's probably no different. I mean, there might be something that will prevent it. Splunk made no better, but I doubt, I doubt that you, I'll you have to ask. I'll have to ask. It'd be, it actually would be an easy thing to replicate uh, to try out, but those are a couple least- of options. I think that's cool. Yeah, and I think that's the best part is that we have options and not not too many of them that were overwhelmed, right? right? But that we actually have a few really good ones that you can try. But yeah, no, I mean that's how I would that's how I would try it as just pick take your pick and whichever. I like the distributed search thing. It's just sort of it's safe. It's keeping a whole copy of Splunk there. It's not going to eat up your CPU doing nothing. And then it's there when you need it. And it, yeah, it's already decoupled, right? You already have it set up. So if you ever decide to later to scale out or upgrade or move out, put another search indexer on a different machine, and you already have your search head set up to just add it to the list, and you're done. You know, so that's that's also a good benefit from doing it the distributed search way. And that's why I usually recommend it because I, I mean, we know we know y'all are going to add more things and want to kind of branch out and kind of spread it out all your searches across. Um, multiple indexes eventually, so you might as well just get in the habit of doing it now, right? That's the idea. <laughs> so, anyway, 
Okay, I like it. Good, uh, good right. question, and, and not a bad, not a bad answer. Set of answers, if I say so myself. Oh, it was a delightful answer. It was delicious. <laughs> it was a delectable answer, Maverick. Um, okay, so stuff coming up. We got user conference. If you're listening to this frequently, the next time you hear from us, perhaps. I don't know if we're going to be able to get in an episode next week because you're on vacation Thursday and Friday. I'm going on vacation Friday. We might not be able to get one in there. We'll see what we can do. Um, but user conference is coming up. Um, I'm also going to try to do some live broadcasting from user conference, perhaps Splunk Talk. So look for that on Twitter um, or uh, or whatever. You know, Email us at SplunkTalk at Splunk.com if you want some more info on that and, and all that stuff. So... Um, all right. All right. What did we Woo. learn this week? I have one thing. You got anything? I'm um, saving mine for last. Go, go for it. Okay. So here's what I learned. Um, my friend Jesse, who's a one of my teammates here, we set up a Team Fortress server, which is a game, you know, Team Fortress. That's a game server on one of our machines. And um, we're thinking about doing this game server thing for user conference, but we just didn't get it done in time. So we could splunk the game logs and see what people are doing, and it just didn't work out. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty cool. But so Jesse set up a bunch of bots up on this um, this Team Fortress server that are basically playing against each other, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, they're generating a lot of logs, and the bots are killing each other, and the bots are attacking each other, which is really cool. But <laughs> the logs are interesting because the logs have things like, let's say... Um, we decided on terms like actor and actee. So an actor might be Maverick, just own Maverick, team red, user ID 50, um, user type bot, just owned wild, um, user ID 35, type bot, team blue. Team blue, yeah. yeah. Right. So <laughs> this pattern, if you think about it, this pattern, and, and that's the way it's written. Okay, the yeah. logs are written like that. They're not nice key value pairs. There's no guarantee that there's not going to be something in between. So just to back up a little bit, the definition of Maverick's user ID and Wild's user ID, they look the same, but they're just in different places in the log. And they're in quotes, and they have a special format, but there's no guarantee that I'm going to be able to determine what's in between that stuff, right? Oh, so you so can't do a regex like this. It's not that. really easy to just... Yeah. And even if I did a wild card, it wouldn't work because you'd still get a lot that, that overly matched. Yeah. yeah, you might get more than one word between the two user. Yeah, I get it. So That's, if you think about it, I want to capture but I want to capture all that info. Yeah. Maverick the killer or the actor, his team, his user ID, and his type, in this case of maybe a real person, and we want to capture Wild, the guy who got killed, his user ID, and all of that. Okay. So how do you write since you can't in Regex match a pattern a repeating pattern you can't do that at least i haven't figured it out you can match repeating characters but you can't say you can't match a repeating email address and like have it repeat over time well you could do that with the rex command or with splunk so in splunk you can write let's say we wrote a regex that actually picked out all the information about maverick and that just so happened to match all the info about wild so I, I use, in, in when rex we use a field uh, setting called max match or if you persist it Inside, and we covered this a while ago, but this is the cool part about this. You, if you persist it, you put a, something called MVAD inside of, wait, multi-values? MVAD? Yeah. So I'm not actually going to use multi-values. So I put MVAD in the transforms.com. I'm going to do a demo on this whole scenario at user conference so you'll be able to see it. 
But what I'm going to do is I'm basically going to take multi-value fields and make I'm going to make multi-value fields out of each thing. I'm going to have a field called actor. Let's just say actor Z, for example. And both Maverick and Michael are going to show up in that field. So it'll be a multi-value field. But then how do I turn it back to the killer and the killed? So basically what we're doing is we're using a multi-value field to store an array of values. I always know the, the killer or the actor comes first and the acted upon or the person who got owned comes second. Wow. And we talked about this earlier using MV index, but right. um, where I can say now I'm going to use eval, create a new field called, you know, let's say actor. And actor is my field, my multi-value field, and the index is zero, which is first, right? That's the first one. That's and I'll first. do the same thing for at, we'll call the other field is act E. So I do another eval, act E equals, let's say, actor Z, which is the field that I stored, MV index comma mb index actor z comma one okay so really basically is saying use this little array that i created and attached to this particular event as kind of a little holding place so it can make some brand new fields and it was the, the thing that i learned was is we couldn't do the concept of repeating regex perfectly i couldn't match a pattern um so I needed to run it a couple of times and using that multi-value field was kind of a neat way to temporarily store some data before I uh, split it out. So we ended up being able to accomplish it pretty smoothly and, and that's it was a kind of a fun little project. So That's pretty cool. That's like uh, that's sort of like uh, using a generic regex to pull it out and then you use the, the other parts of the Splunk language to basically parse it out the way that you need. So instead of parsing it first, in this case it would have been impossible to parse first. Correct. You just parse generically, and then you and then you and I mean you um, extract some generically, and then you parse out uh, for the meaning. You're applying the context as you go, which is kind of that again. That's the beauty of this tool. That's a completely that, great explanation because a lot of times you think about trying to solve the problem all at once. That's correct. Unfortunately, because of the pipelining language, you can say, "All right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna break it down to this one piece, get rid of all this other crap, and now I got this one piece. Now let's like work work on that piece of data." And you can do that little by little. So. Yeah, and I'm doing the same thing for my session in user conference. I'm doing. A, I'm using talking about the multi-value stuff a lot and showing some techniques. Uh, in one of my examples, in my session is called Splunking Outside the Box, and so I actually have a, I actually have Splunk for HR, and I actually pretended like what if you had a fictitious company of all these celebrities, and you wanted to know facts and figures and stats about your employees based on their names and their initials and when they were hired. And so, like, I have one where I show if George Jones was hired before Garth Brooks. How many how many employees were hired in between them before Garth Brooks was hired? You know that kind right. of thing. You can use multi, use the same kind of thing, multi value multi value right. stuff to do it. Yeah, and I, I've been having a lot of fun oh, learning. Oh, you could do the count of the of the in of the array size, right? Stream, stream stats, no stream oh. stats. I use stream stats to give me the, and I use a max. It, it, you'll have to come to the session. I can't. I'll have to re- well, then I'll do it again because I'm doing week. my session at the same time as you. I, so. I, yeah, on Wednesday at like three or One, something. Wednesday at three. Three. So, so that's okay. I'll do it for you later. Special. No, just we are. We are. No, they, did you get the invite where you got to do it? That's right. Yeah, that's we're right. gonna do all the we're gonna do all the user conference sessions after over WebEx, so we can have them, I guess, or maybe we'll release them. So, all right, come to user conference if you're not going. Um, stay tuned. Speak up. 
uh, say, hey, Wild, if you're filming, let me know. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, my, uh, at Michael Wild, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-W-I-L-D-E, or just, just write something about Splunk because we'll hear it. And I'll let you know uh, what we're doing because I'm going to try to broadcast a bunch of episodes, a bunch there. We're going to be recording Splunk Talk, perhaps live, um, even broadcast. We'll see about that. And uh, as always, uh, how do they get a hold of us? Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. Hey. Write that down. And we'll see you at user conference. And uh, have a great weekend. Happy Splunking. Happy Splunking. Because Splunk is about to